Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. I hope you enjoy this episode with Canadian marathoner and two-time Olympian, Melindy Elmore. Um, we give away some Saucony sweepstakes gear at the end of the show. And if any of you entered this uh, contest and were disappointed that you didn't win, I'm gonna put up links to ways you can buy um, the featured shoes and outfits from the Instagram post on our blog. Um, and there will also be two links on the blog for supporting and mother. Uh, both Alicia and I have fundraising pages. Of course, it's Alicia's organization, and we're both running the New York City Marathon. Um, and we're both happily fundraising for this really impactful organization. So if you want to support and mother via me or via Alicia, it all goes to the same place. We'll put up both links. Uh, we're both trying to raise $5,000 before race day. And um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. This was a live episode, so we have some listener questions at the end that are really um, fun to hear, interactive conversation like that. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks for keeping track. Yeah, welcome everyone to our Keeping Track live podcast. Fall Marathon Moms is our topic. Um, I figure we would talk 30 minutes with Melindy and talk about her Berlin race and sort of her um, journey to the marathon, um, you know, with motherhood and work and switching events. And then we could do a little question and answer at the end, and then we will draw the winners of the prizes. So, and if they're, you know, people aren't here, we can email them. So without further ado, do you want me to, Alicia, do you want me to do a little intro for uh, Melindy, just for the people that oh. don't know her accolades, <laughs> and then we'll dive into it more Perfect. Let's do it. in her own words. Okay, Melindy, correct me if anything's wrong, but this is like a banana's career. So Melindy Elmore is a Canadian Olympian. Uh, she specialized as middle distance early in her career as a multi-time All-American at Stanford in the 1500 and 800. And then she made the 2004 Olympic team in Athens in the 1500. And her second Olympic team was 2021 20, in the marathon, which is crazy in Tokyo. Like, amazing that you, like, have those two bookends. Um, and you retired for, like, seven years uh, around 2012 after narrowly missing the Olympic team. You've made many world – you've made a few world champs teams in there, too. Um, and then you had some babies and dabbled in the triathlon and came back uh, six, seven months postpartum and dove into the marathon. And it's been history ever since with Canadian records and Olympic births. And at age 43, you just set your PB in the Berlin Marathon, which is what we kind of want to re rehash because it's amazing. So ladies and gentlemen, Melindy Elmore. <laughs> what um, what a what a kind intro by uh, one of the, the goats uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's had quite an illustrious career herself. So thank you, Molly. Um, yeah, yeah. Fun, to, fun to be back in the sport after all these years and fun to see you again, Alicia, after so many years of being in Europe together, running, running around the oval. Yes. Oh my gosh. It has been a time. And honestly, listening to just the the list of your accolades but like actually kind of watching the life journey unfold of just like a person who happens to be an incredible athlete uh friend you know person mom um i just have like a few questions on well i have a lot of questions but i just want to start off with one of the questions on just like when you made the decision to kind of step away in 2012 um from the sport like what were some of the things that were driving that decision? And did you have a, a, a view of what could be on the horizon? Um, no, I mean, I certainly had no intention in 20 turning to the sport, especially as a marathoner. Um, that would have been a hilarious <laughs> proposition at the time. Um, I didn't, I was probably more in your camp than Molly's camp of not really loving long runs and tempo runs and that sort of thing that those crazy 5k, 10k girls did. Um, it wasn't quite as fast as you over the 400, that's for sure, because that was really, <laughs> or eight speed really lends itself well to what you did. But I was pretty comfortable in that middle 1500, like doing some fast stuff, but not having to do, go to run too far. Um, but yeah, I definitely, by the end of 2012 was definitely ready for a break and there's been a lot more, um, 
published and a lot more information now about, you know, the impact of burnout and stress and that sort of thing and performance, um, you know, how that, how burnout and stress can impact performance. And I, I didn't really realize probably at the time how much that was impacting me and just anxiety and that sort of thing. And just really knew that it was time for me to take a break if I was going to be a, a decent human being <laughs> and putting, putting too much stress on myself as well, or pressure, let's say to make these teams and run fast. And it was kind of robbing the joy of, of running from me. So um, when I decided to retire, uh, it wasn't as much a decision as like, it's just what I needed to do. And, and I was also excited to do other things in life and went into teaching for a few years and had my kids and, dabbled with triathlon because that was a fun new challenge and then just sort of came full circle back to running but never that was never the end goal that just came back because that's just kind of what I love to do and it it the opportunities availed again but it never it was never set out like oh I'm gonna go try and make an Olympic team again I, that that ship had certainly sailed or so I had thought yeah oh my gosh and I was so from the time that you you know took like a step back talking about burnout um, did you feel like you wanted to like at least just run from a mental health perspective um, in the beginning or how much time were you just like, please running, leave me alone? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There were a lot of years like from 2012 to say 2017. I don't I didn't really follow running like I kind of knew what was going on. But now I'm a fan of the sport again and I'm coaching. So I follow results and I follow meets and and I love it because I love the sport. But I took a pretty, pretty pretty big, strong break from it. Um, like I said, you know, doing triathlon was pretty fun getting into that world and learning all about, uh, the training and the racing in, in the triathlon world, how oh, that's a really hard sport for sure. <laughs> and then, um, I just kind of organically ended up getting into running again because my second son was born in 2018 and I knew I didn't have the kind of time or energy to devote to triathlon anymore. Cause it's like, you know, I was doing Ironman, so like five, six hour bike rides and five K swims. And then you still have to go run an hour or two. So it can kind of take up all weekend. And with two little kids at home, I wasn't prepared to give up my weekends with them. Um, yeah. It's insane, by the way. <laughs> um, it made marathoning seem very easy. Um, and so one day just in like August, when my son was two months old, I met some friends for a run and they were all doing Chicago marathon and they were aiming for anywhere between three hours and 340, a group of women that I'm friends with. And I ran with them. And at that point I had to keep asking them for walk breaks. Cause you know, I'm two months postpartum and like, <laughs> it's hard to run an hour. It's, it's, you realize when you're fit, it's not hard, but when you're not fit running in a whole hour is a long ways to run. And then I came home, I was so fired up. I'm like, I want to go to Chicago with them. Like they're all going on this girls weekend. And so I told my husband I was going to go to Chicago and try and pace them. Although I have no idea how I'd actually get in the race at that point. But that was just, you know, for another, that was figure out another day. And he just looked at me and he's like, you have a two month old son and a three year old. Like you can't go to just go to Chicago for the weekend. Um, uh -huh. Unless yeah. there was like an organization like Young Mother that could help support. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, and just doing like, your life holy. Yeah. Well, yeah, like the first marathon I did in Houston when he was six months old, my biggest concern the whole race was how I'm going to find him as soon as possible after the race because I have to nurse and he only he doesn't take a bottle and it can take an hour to find people after these big races. So that was part of Chicago. Like Graham's like, so who's going to look after our child while you're doing this marathon and how are you going to nurse him? And anyhow. Yes. So Melindy, I, I have a few questions there just on like the X's and O's of postpartum training. Mm -hmm. Like, did you train while you were pregnant and what did that look like? And then afterwards, what did it look like as far as like when you started to run and like how you, when did you feel okay and things like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really, I wouldn't call it training through pregnancy. I would call it just being like fit and healthy and active. Um, I wasn't really into training. I didn't have these big illustrious goals and I didn't have a timeline of I need to be back for X, Y, Z. And I think that, you know, people, it's hard because in social media nowadays, you see people make these really quick returns to high levels of fitness postpartum and it, it works for some people, but for a lot of people, it's just, uh, it, it might not be the best approach. Like I just decided to go more on how my body felt and 
I got to a certain point in both pregnancies where I was like, running doesn't feel that good. Honestly, it just, I didn't really enjoy it. So I just stopped running. I didn't worry about the fact that I wasn't running because I'd go for hikes or swim or ride a bike. I was like, I'm an act like a healthy person, but I don't need to be like at my peak performance <laughs> right now, my peak fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was no real, I, I didn't have a training plan and I didn't have any goals. And then just same with when the boys were born, it was just kind of organic. Like as I felt better, I exercised or ran more, but tried to listen to my body and tried to go on what felt good. And if you get really decently out of shape, like, like I said, an hour running is really hard to do. And for the first few weeks or months, like 20 minutes of running is you realize how far 20 minutes of nonstop running is. Um, So I'm a big proponent of just kind of like listening to the body and being a bit more organic and removing some goals and pressure from a timeline and a race and a certain level of fitness that you need to be in. Mm -hmm. But you did, was that that. the 224 that you ran seven months postpartum or was that a year? No, no, I ran two, yeah, yeah. So say that again at the time, sorry, I didn't, I was. Oh, I ran 232 when, when Ollie was born, just after Oliver was born. Still pretty good <laughs> for postpartum. Yeah, I, I, I can do that. In yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> what so a goal. Alicia, Alicia two minutes and running. 32, you mean two minutes and 32 over 100 meters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would actually be harder, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we have a similar time, two hours, 32. Mine was yeah. two minutes and 32 seconds. Yeah, 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 that's yeah you did races. Yeah, yeah. You were able to run through your pregnancies a lot longer than I was, that's for sure. Yeah, and I also think at that time, you know, like you talked about social media and the the growth of social media and how much we share on social social media, it was still growing at that time of what it looked like. And I... I, I am in the same camp of listening to your body and how you feel from a mental aspect for me, you know, it was a really big deal that I kept moving. Um, but I actually had like, you know, the, the thought that I was going to be safe, you know? So I actually didn't feel any sort of training pressure. Like I just felt like, oh, okay, I would do like run for 10 minutes. Then I would walk for five, then I would run for nine minutes. And, you know, like I would do the ladder like that. And suddenly I was out yeah. for like, you know, an hour and a half or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it just looks really different now. And I think people have a perception of maybe how it happened and it doesn't have to be like that for everybody. So I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm also big on removing the pressure from, you know, mothers and, you know, pregnant and postpartum bodies to feel like they have to do it in some sort of regimented timeline in order for them to be like healthy and okay on the back end. And it looks different every pregnancy. That's what I was going to say is what, what felt good to you. Yeah. doesn't necessarily feel good to everyone else and that that worked for you and that that's, that's awesome. And, and it may not work for other people. Like I found the biggest thing was that after about 20 weeks, I just had to pee like every five minutes and it just got so annoying. That's true. <laughs> it got really annoying for people that I was running with too to be like, I gotta pee again. Wait, can you just pee? And yeah. at that point, I thought, oh, I'm just done. <laughs> yeah, yep. I love it. That's awesome. And Molly, like, we're, we got to watch a little bit of you um, in your process and just your pregnancy and postpartum. But in your pregnancy, I'm curious about just like how. At what time did you feel like you didn't want to be running anymore? Did you feel pressure that you had to, you know, be a certain level of fitness during your pregnancy so you could return better? Like, what were your ideas? Yeah, like I was reaching out to a lot of, you know, Alicia and a lot of other athletes to see what is normal. And it really is just how do you feel? How does your particular body hold that load? You know, it's just different for everyone. What's going on with the baby? Um, So I just kind of felt it out. I kind of limited my, I was like thinking, don't go over a certain number of miles for a workout while I could still do workouts, which was until like 24 weeks or so. I did like maybe three mile workouts because actually short little fart, like fart, like workouts felt better to me than like longer runs or continuous runs even. So I was like, okay, I guess if that feels okay, I'll do it. Um, So I did a lot of like stuff on the track, like 400s or just like, like, the ladders like that and that was they were really fun because like I was kind of burned out too just from like trying to slog through marathon buildups on an injury for a year and a half and I was just like I just want to feel good like I want to do what's fun for me short track stuff is fun um I kind of liked rolling into Brown's indoor track and just like shocking the like athletes <laughs> by like 
<laughs> like rolling around like with a big belly. I think they were like, what is she doing? Um, and so I just, I just stuck with that. And then at like 24 weeks, Jojo had like a bit of a heart arrhythmia. So I just, for my own sanity was like, I'll just stop working out because I'm an anxious person and that worries me. Um, and she was fine and I probably could have still kept working out. Like my doctor didn't even tell me not to. It was just, that was my limiting factor. So really is so different. Um, and like the messaging isn't like get out there and like train with a capital T, just like don't let being pregnant stop you. It's more like do what like is normal for your body and what feels good. And like you're in, you're in the driver's seat and just kind of like be in touch with mm -hmm. what you feel. Yeah, something big that you you mentioned is one, just like how it kind of shifts on social media from what you put out there and what you're actually going through. And then like when it gets reshared, it's like, no days off, see what you can do. And you're like, no, that's not what I'm trying to send at all. Just a human being that happens to post things on the internet. That's not what I said. <laughs> um, and I, I one thing that is huge, I think for a lot of people that do you know message me and hearing you say this and Melinda say this, there is a common denominator and it's one listening to how you feel. There's not like this idea that there's pushing through, you know, push through the pain, you know, no stopping, you know, this is the goal. Um, but I think the other thing is very like creating variation in your, in your exercise is really good for you. So like Melindy shifting over towards hiking and being like, I'm just being a healthy person. And you talking about doing short, bursts and intervals. I happen to also do the same because I like it. And <laughs> the same thing, you know, the long runs didn't feel good. So there's a lot of different ways to move. I remember with my third pregnancy, I was rowing, you know, for most of the time. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to move and to stay, to stay active and sane, you know, and remember that exercise is not a punishment for your body, you know. Just being sane is the key for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Melindy, um... so many body changes and and uh, Molly, you talked a, a lot about that. I'm curious about, uh, you know, any any body dysmorphia. Did anybody have any struggles with the, you know, the changes in your body? And like, how do we, you know, what is some of your advice that you might have for some listeners if they are struggling with that? I was worried about that, but I just, you know, being a distance runner, you're just so used to being a certain way, but I was so like fascinated by what was happening every week that it was more just like, I was just amazed. I was just like, wow, that's cool. Like I couldn't stop like looking at myself in a good way. Um, mm -hmm. So luckily that's just the way it was. I was just so interested in what was happening, but I, I could totally see how it could be like a little bit like of a shift in identity, like what's happening. I'm just not even who I used to be. Melindy? I, yeah, I'd say along the same vein of Molly and just feeling really grateful to my body that it could make those changes and grow a baby and be healthy. And, you know, the focus was on growing a healthy baby. That was really the goal. And, and um, yeah, feeling grateful. There's a lot of people who, you know, struggle with infertility and struggle with, you know, things that they would love to be in, in in the position of having a healthy pregnancy. And that's not to take away from people who struggle with the changes to their body, but just trying to shift that mindset to that feeling of gratitude and what your body is doing for you. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Alicia, but postpartum was another story. Cause it's like, okay, the baby's out. Like, why do I still look pregnant? Like two months later, <laughs> this is a shock. <laughs> yeah. I, I also felt like fascinated in pregnancy. I did it three times. Clearly was like fine with that. Not necessarily like the feeling towards the end. I was always like, okay, like you can look, get out any moment now, like <laughs> by the end, but postpartum, I felt, I felt like I, I, felt the most trying to shift my mindset, but also like, you know, I had different, you know, body changes. I had diastasis recti, I had, and it would impact how, you know, my power output was and how mm -hmm. it, you know, made my whole body feel more than like how I felt like it looked, you know, but I, I did now, you know, having three kids and 10 years, like almost 10 years later, I, um, you know, it's so funny how much emphasis other people put on some things like, your skin expanding and, you know, being a little looser or, um, you know, having some stretch marks. And I'm like, I've got stretch marks on my thighs. Why would I care about like, you know, this and that, but it's okay to struggle with it and figure it out. But at the same time, I think where I started to think a shift in viewpoint is how we can help empower like future generations to not 
need this to be something that they're weighing on and worried about instead of feeling like empowered about, you know, like how do we shift that narrative and that mindset so there's not so much pressure on a woman to not be in awe of her her body and the changes that happen, can happen. Totally. Um, Melindy, I, if we can shift a little bit, I do wanna save some time to hear about Berlin. Um, so you recently ran your PB at Berlin Marathon in September uh, 223 and some change. Can you tell us a little bit about what the buildup was like and what was the goal going in? And does also um, that puts you on Team Canada or do you have to wait and see how other performances stack up? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll answer the first question, the last right, question. I like bombarded you with questions. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so Canada, we, we select our teams differently, at least in the marathon and, and, and in the, on the track as well. We have less of an emphasis on the trials, although in the track and field, the Olympic trials are still pretty important. But we don't have a trials for the marathon the way we do in the U.S. where it's like first three across the line are basically on the team. Um, we have a criteria basically uh, that is a little bit more subjective, I would say. So the long story short is I put myself in a good position um, for being selected to the team. There's an early selection date of February 7th. And they will name, <clears throat> excuse me, up to two of the three spots then. And I'm hoping that I will be selected, but there's no guarantees at this point. It, it depends what other people do in the next few months. Right now, I'm the only one who has the standard. Um, mm -hmm. there's, uh, there's a number of races still to come with really strong athletes lined up. So Frankfurt this weekend, Valencia, Houston, I'd say, are the three big races where Canadians are lining up and gearing for that. Um, I would say my time is, is was going to hold up pr pretty strong against the field. So fingers crossed, but I'm, I, I've gone so far as to start planning ahead to be in Europe next summer. Whether I make the team or not, I think our family's going to go. So it's a win-win. 223, that's crazy. That's awesome. I don't even know oh. about that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> sort of we're asking about the, the build-up. Um, so I had... I took three shots this year, basically like the qualifying window to get Olympic standard opened December 4th or something like that last year, 2022. And um, so I thought, oh, I'm going to get this standard out of the way early. Um, you know, want to got to just, you know, give myself lots of lots of room to, to go after it. And I'm glad I did because I did Seville Marathon in February and I was having a great build and felt really fit. But I really made some mistakes with that race and um, can go into more detail, but but I know time is clicking here. Uh, anyways, I ended up dropping out at 26K because I thought at that point it wasn't going the way I wanted it to. I didn't, I wasn't going to run the way I wanted to either. And I figured it would be better to just save my legs and do a spring marathon and bounce back faster than going all the way to the well over 42K. Um, so Seville was kind of my first really poor experience in a marathon that it's my seventh. I've done seven now after Berlin. So I've had six really great ones that I feel happy about and one terrible one. So mm -hmm. that one, uh, you know, once every seven marathons will be a toss, I guess. Um, <laughs> those are good odds. Yeah. That's yeah, a good that's record. Yeah. And then I was, I did Ottawa and Molly, we were going to line up together in Ottawa uh, looked at lots of different options. Molly and I were chatting at the time, but there, there was, there weren't many opportunities in North America anymore at that point. Um, and, you know, with, with children at home and that sort of thing, trying to limit how much overseas travel. So I decided to do Ottawa. Ottawa was great. I had a great race. I was second. So I was really happy with my performance, but it's actually a pretty hilly marathon and it was decently warm and it wasn't hot, hot, but it got up to about 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, I don't know what that would be in Fahrenheit. Um, 60, double it and add 20. Um, anyways, can't figure it out, but it, it was warmer than it, it was about 10 degrees Celsius warmer than you'd want for a marathon. So I ran 227.50 or something, a minute off of the standard. So I was happy with my race, but the race, being happy with the race doesn't get you on the team. Um, so then it was like, okay, now what am I going to do? And then we decided, you know what, let's skip Budapest World Championships in August. It's likely going to be hot. And let's focus on a race that we know is flat, is fast, and usually has good 
good conditions from a weather perspective. So went after Berlin. Love it. Awesome. Um, Alicia, do you want to segue to a Q&A here before you yes. head off or what is your schedule like? Uh, I'm in the office and I've got a, I've got a office stuff to do, <laughs> like, like meetings. They're very fun. No, I really appreciate like everything that we're doing. So it's, it is important for me to pop into that. Um, but Melindy, this has been so incredible. Like just really getting this time. I actually feel like we needed like an hour plus just to connect on all of the things, especially with the long list of, of work that you've done, you know, just by way of living, you know, you've, I think there are huge takeaways here in just like recognizing burnout, you know, being okay with stepping away, even struggling to step away, but knowing it's necessary to do so, finding different ways to move, thinking through, you know, what your family structure, what's important to you from like your family structure, but also like, how do we better support, you know, parents and caregivers to continue to be like, enjoy their lives, be who they are, have their kids see it. So I'm catching a lot here that got me really fired up actually to pop into these <laughs> these meetings with Ann Mother and to continue to push, you know, the needle for infrastructure for care. And, you know, you have me thinking like, how did we get into triathlon and cycling? And um, I don't know, I just think all of this was really powerful. And I'm curious, you know, just like a lot of people to know some of the questions that they have for you, you know, on everything that you've been able to do and, and, uh, you know, yeah, and beyond. So we're going to segue now to Q&As and open it up to, um, for audience, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, yeah, I'm going to delete my face. Thanks, Alicia. <laughs> um, keep up the good work and I'll see you in New York. Yep. Bye. Looking forward to hearing these questions. Yes, we're recording it all. Don't worry. Okay, so yeah, if anyone, um, you can unmute yourself and ask Melindy a question or put it in the chat, whatever's easier. And if you want time to think, I have a few more questions for Melindy, so. I'll give you a few seconds and see what chimes in. While we're waiting, Melindy. This is not a question. Oh, just Tara. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I was just going to give a question not, or a comment, not a question, but I grew up with Melindy and she is one of the most amazing people that I've ever met and known in my life. And like one of the most humble, incredible people. And to see her succeed in doing so wonderfully and being a mom it's just it's completely inspiring and here's all my three kids or three of my four kids in the car right now we're just carpooling <laughs> i just wanted to say incredible job melindy so proud of you thanks tara good to hear from you i didn't i didn't see you there and i was like i know that sorry i didn't have my camera on we're driving so <laughs> yeah pay attention to the road <laughs> yeah thanks for joining us i second all those i've known melindy a long time one of my fave people <laughs> i i was trying to find your email about um where to sign where to sign in for the call and i found an email from 2010 that we had exchanged on i don't know room keys to get into dorms in leuven europe back, there. back, in the day, back. We traveled to europe together and it was such a different time like we didn't have phones i didn't carry a phone well we didn't get SIM cards. You didn't have a smartphone. You didn't get on the internet. We had to go to the McDonald's to get Wi-Fi to check email once a day. But you get to these places and you have no idea where to go. There's no map. You're just so everyone just like stuck together. We were like, help. <laughs> I just sit outside the dorms waiting for somebody to walk by who could tell you where the office was to check in to get a key. But you actually have no idea where you're going. Oh my goodness. Good times. <laughs> You could talk good resilience when you had and, to do a lot of problem solving without a phone back not even that long ago. Yeah. And like that's we we started running so long ago. It was like pre-tech age and like we're still competing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Any other no, questions or comments? Oh <laughs> sure. Yeah, I have a I have a question. Oh, sorry. There's one in the chat, but um do you want to answer that and then I can go or no, you go because you're on. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so as we were talking about a little bit before, you and I both just ran Berlin. You finished quite a bit uh, ahead of me, but still a great day uh, for me. I had my daughter last September, so about exactly a year po uh, postpartum, and I was able to set a 13-minute personal best. So that was great. Um, and, and 
kind of before I read it, I was like, maybe this will be my last one. I don't, you know, I think I'm in shape for a PB, but I don't know if I want to like try to break three hours. I don't know if that's something I want to do. And now I'm thinking maybe it is. And so, but I'm 39, getting older. Molly, you and I are the same age and had kids around the same time. But as we think like about kind of our ceiling or our limit as athletes and this age thing, I think we've seen from people like you, Melindy, and others that kind of age is not really the barrier that it once was. Like, how do you think about continuing to set personal bests as you age, as you balance kids? And and Molly, I'm curious with you as well, coming back and running New York and just thinking about like what's ahead and kind of, I don't know, just things that I've been thinking about personally and struggling with a little bit. So I'm curious your thoughts on it. Well, I'll, I'll jump in and then, and then Molly can also. Um, so I'm kind of similar to you. I, so I have qualified for the Paris Olympics, which again was like never uh, running Tokyo was, was felt like the cherry on top and felt at times hilarious to think that I was back at that level. And then, and then I finished that and was like, well, why would I stop now? I'm still running well. I'm still enjoying it. So I'll keep going. And then, then I thought, you know, last year, okay, after Paris, I'll definitely be done. Uh, I'll be 44 in Paris. I mean, quite likely I'll be done trying to make Olympic teams, but then, but then it's like, but why? I mean, if I'm still going to run fast, I'm still going to enjoy training. I still can balance my life. I, it's still good for my family to see me out pursuing my own goals as well. It's a really good thing for children to see their mothers and their fathers, but having their own lives and, and, and setting goals and going after them. Well, why would you stop? So I'd say again, like shifting even just to that process mindset of, doing the work, enjoying training, enjoying having a group to run with, enjoying going to the races, trying to do your best in the races with good preparation. So, so what, what does it matter if you ultimately go faster or slower if you enjoy doing it? And, and if you break three hours, <clears throat> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be such a great feeling and such an accomplishment for sure, and it'll be worth it. But even if you don't break three hours, the journey is, is worth it. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I'm interested to hear too, Melindy, like more about your how, like what does the balance look like in your house as far as like, because marathon training is so time consuming. I was talking about this with someone else. And when you have little babies or really kids of any age, it's just, it's hard to be away that long to do the long run that takes like all day. And then you want to recover. And you, I, that's the part I cut out. I'm like, what time, this is my job. And that's all I have to do in a day. But like, I cut out a lot of the recovery because I'm like, I just can't fit like all of it in. Um, so yeah, kudos to everyone PBing after their baby, but like my lack of recovery needs to catch up a little bit before I hit the PBs, I think. So, um, but it's still like something that I think is, um, important to, like, it's an important piece of myself. And, and of course it's a different thing. Cause it's like, this is like my, my personal business as well. Like this is how our family supports itself. So it's a little different there and there's stress and pressure with that, but it's also, um, kind of cool to like have this new side of you motivating you and you hope it's good for your kids. Even when they're like a year and a half old, they can still take in a lot of what you're doing, you know? Um, see you doing something every day. See you doing something physical outside, um, seeing you cooperate with people at the track and like high fives. And it's just, it's like a big social thing. So there's just, it's just the running world is such an enriching place. Um, so that's kind of the way I look at it, but it is hard. It's really hard when they're like in the needy phase and you're just like, oh, my energy is <laughs> spread thin at the moment. Um, that can, that segues to this other question from Catherine here. Do you have tips, Melindy, for balancing marathon training fatigue with motherhood? I also have that question for you because the fatigue is, no one talks about like the physical demands of motherhood, like physically, like my back hurts, like I'm tired. I'm losing minerals, like, <laughs> How do you do it? I, I think there's no, no no answer to that. I I personally feel more energized by training and running every day than I do if I'm with my children every day. Um, and I, I believe that I'm a better mother for it. <laughs> 
I think someone could curse. Yeah, Um, no, I concur. Different energy system, like the mental fatigue of wrangling babies. Yeah. And then (laughs) like, I I don't worry now about recovering, honestly, because I've never liked recovering much anyways. Um, Recovering is like taking the kids to the park or going for a hike when we get home and, and that's cool. Um, you know, I get, I walk in the door and some days it's like, we got a 10 minute turnaround from a run before we got to be packed up and going to swimming lessons. And then we're going to a birthday party and then we got to get groceries, you know, like, it's just like, I like the busyness. And, and then my only tip is that I go to bed really quite early. Um, so last night I put my older son to sleep and he wanted longer cuddles and he wanted to chit chat cause he's a night owl. And I was just like, I am falling asleep here. And it was 8:25, and I went to my bed and I was probably asleep by 8 30. Um, so there's really not a lot of time for anything. Like when people are like, Oh, Hey, did you see this new Netflix show? I'm like, Nope, don't watch Netflix. <laughs> there's no time for Netflix. Cause I go to bed. Something's and gotta I, go. <laughs> yeah. Netflix it is. And I literally like, I know Taylor Swift is a big deal. I get it. But I'm like, I don't really even know who Taylor Swift is besides the fact that she's a big deal. Um, so there's just like things that just like it's such a mom just trait. Tarler swooped who? <laughs> so cut out that stuff. Um, just and... kidding. We love you, Taylor. What's that? <laughs> just kidding. We love Taylor. Love Taylor. If she's sure listening, she's... I'm sure. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. Yes. I I wish I had a good answer for them for the fatigue. My only suggestion is like do prioritize your nutrition. I feel like for me that was the part that was just like like have snacks and water like everywhere just like in your pocket in your car like everywhere because I feel like that's what would get away from me like you don't realize how many hours have passed and you're just eating crackers because that's what what's there so try and get the nutrition in and have it stocked everywhere wherever you hide have snacks (laughs) and then I guess the other question for Catherine is are you also working on top of that because Hmm. working and parenting and training is is a lot of demands on your time and energy. And um, so thankfully for me, at least since my husband coaches me, he fills in a lot of the gaps to on the the home front, but he works a traditional, a traditional job. He's out of the house, seven 30 to five. And I have a job as well. So we're just, we're a bit crazy, but he really steps up because my running is important to him as my coach. So he's like, I just, you know, he, I walk in the door and he's got dinner ready and he just like, it's like, here you go. Like, he'll like, you know, text me when you're leaving and I'll make sure your dinner's ready. And so I I can't speak, speak enough for just having um, a partner who's truly a partner and you can kind of see like your goals as, as team goals. So you're both, even if they're not running it, they're, they, they're excited about what you're doing and helping you achieve those goals. Definitely. Helps that Graham was a really good runner, so he gets it. He knows. He oh, knows what Catherine. he'll need. <laughs> as well. Yeah, Catherine, I mean, working, having children and, and running is, is definitely, uh, it's hard and very admirable. And I, I've always really admired all these moms who get up at the crack of dawn. Tara is one of them. I see Tara getting up, um, you know, for her 4.35 a.m. runs in North Dakota, so it's not even warm out. <laughs> and getting it done and then going to work all day and and parenting for busy active children and I think I think that uh you know it's doable if you really believe in what you're doing yeah we have another question here from Andrea um you mentioned the less time with recovering have we adjusted other aspects of our running or training to compensate for the additional loads and I think that's a good question because like just because you're a mom, you're well, doesn't become bottomless, you know, like you have to work with what you got. And I think, I know that's what we're doing, like for this marathon buildup, for example, um, part of it's because, you know, I'm running New York and then the trials are after we're going really conservative and I am running less. Like basically I don't sleep as much. Um, I do, I'm a lot on my feet a lot more during the day. And so my mileage is like probably 25% less of what it would be for a marathon buildup. And the workouts are, you know, a little bit easier. And because we just want to get to the, the start line first and then we'll work on things from there. So that's kind of the approach we're taking. And Melindy, I don't know about you, like what, like your boys are at a little different of a phase and you've been doing this longer, but like, did you sort of have to ever amend your training um, for your lifestyle or what does that look like? 
Yeah, I would just say the big thing that I mentioned earlier is I really go to bed early now. And it's not even a joke. Like I put my kids to bed. We start getting ready for bed at seven and I take them upstairs and we do stories and baths and that they just drag it out for forever, right? Um, and my my older son really loves a very long debrief chit chat, cuddle in bed. And I don't come back down. Like I, I put my pajamas on when they put their pajamas on and I go to bed. And I turn the light out uh, early. And so, and I, I try not to set an alarm in the morning as well, try to wake up kind of naturally, but, but I know that I'm never, I'm basically not going to sleep past 6.30. So I'm always going to be up in time to, to have time to go to bed or time to get ready. Um, and in the summer, I wake up at 5.30 and I usually go run early because it gets very hot here. Um, and I never would have gone to bed at 8.30 or 9 before I had kids, right? I would have found something else to do until a reasonable bedtime hour at 10 as an adult. And now I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to sleep. I'm tired. And I think that's helped me a lot. And also, I just haven't had the injuries that I used to have either. And I think that that's part of it is actually just, like I said, cutting out Netflix, cutting out time on my phone. Uh, I love to read, but um, as long as I don't have a book that's too good, then I can go to bed. The willpower to put your phone down. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, you kind of have to, right? And yeah. and it's a rabbit hole um, and it's not really serving you. So I'd rather get up an hour earlier in the morning than stay up an hour later in the evening. Call me at eight and tell me to go to bed, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we have time for one more question. Um, anybody want to do the last question? Or any the question? Questions? Yes. Uh, so I just want to say I'm like similar age. I just turned 40 like a week ago. And so I remember watching Molly coming up behind me a little bit as a high schooler following you and Melinda at US Stanford. I'm, I was, I'm, I've just been a big running nerd. So it's kind of fun to hear you guys and be in similar life phases. Um, as I've gotten older, I've noticed I'm actually stronger now than I was when I was like a D1 runner. Um and I just would love to hear from you guys what you have adapted as you've gotten older to continue running. I can run a lot more now than I did when I was back in college. I lift weights heavy and I do Pilates once a week in addition to my mileage. And I'm at the phase in my life where I'm, I'm a little less focused right now on my own specific running goals, but kind of pushing boundaries. I just ran two marathons in two weeks because I, you know, why not? You know, it's just kind of fun. Um, and it went well because I'm strong and I know my body and um, I've adapted a lot as I've gotten older. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, what things are you changing as you get older, both being postpartum and just in general as somebody inching towards your 40s or in your 40s like I am? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I can run so much more than when I was in college as well. Like I kind of topped out at 40, 50 miles and now I run 100 miles in the marathon build or above. And I don't get hurt. I think not doing the intensity on the track helps a lot. But like you mentioned, weights, like I was never that diligent about doing weight training. I'd kind of like hit it off and on, but it was always the first thing to go when I was younger because I didn't love doing it and it takes a lot of time. But now because I pay a lot of money to my strength and conditioning coach and he charges my credit card, whether I show up or not, <laughs> I go twice a week and he makes me do things that I would not do on my own, which is why people get coaches. Um, but strength training for sure, I think like just helps so much with your resiliency and, uh, you know, building, your, building a nice strong frame so you can handle the load better. So I'd say great job. I think you're doing the right things. And I do remember you. Uh, remember the name for sure. It's very familiar. Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I probably can run a little less now just because I was really, I mean, my whole life revolved around like squeezing everything out of myself for a while. So I, I was able to train more probably pre-baby and pre, I had a bad injury too before I even got pregnant. So pre that. Um, but like, I will say mentally now, I feel like I can focus longer. Like, I don't know if it's from like, just sitting in a dark room for like two hours, rocking her to sleep. I'm like, oh, my attention span is like intense now. Um, and then also I think just like, once you get out of the college system, you can 
adapt more at your own pace. I do feel like when I look back, like the college system for a distance runner is very condensed and you're just trying, they're trying to load these athletes like for three seasons, which really occurs, you know, in uh, two, like three quarters of the year. And it's just, it's a lot for most people. Like it's probably just too intense for most athletes. And then when they get out and they're on their own and they can listen to their body a little more, they find their way back. Um, especially for the women who a lot of the times are like probably entering or exiting freshly that like puberty trajectory and maybe their body is just not on track yet. That can take a year or two. You're there for four years. So um, sometimes you just get caught up in that and it looks like you're not doing well, but it's just the phase that you were going through. So I think I think sometimes that college system is tough, especially on women. And um, afterwards, a lot of women are able to do it on their own terms and find that they can handle a lot. It's just they have to do it in a way that, you know, is fitting their lifestyle or fitting their particular recovery pattern. So I because I've, I've heard that story a lot of, you know, women who were hurt a lot in college running the 5k or the 1500 and um, they turned to marathons, which is so much more workload, but they're like thriving. So there's definitely something to it. I'd also say that um, reducing the intense, the frequency of intensity really helps. So not doing three track workouts a week or even, um, even, even necessarily two in a big long run. Like we count a long run as a workout. And a lot of weeks I'll just do a workout and a long run with some work in it. So it's two workouts a week and a lot of easy running. And it's also slower, easy running than maybe when you're with a group of competitive collegiate athletes who can hammer their easy runs. It's now like, like I run a five minute kilometer an eight minute mile pretty frequently on my easy days, which, you know, for the, the pace that I run on marathon, that's, that's a pretty big differentiation. That's minute and a half slower than my race pace. So slowing down your easy runs and it allows you to be able to do more of them and not doing as many hard workouts. Yeah, I definitely am on the same page with that. Um, we have one last question here. Advice on mentally preparing for postpartum marathons. Someone is, Abigail is running her first marathon since having a baby. Um, pain cave, I know it's going to come sooner than it did pre-baby because of less sleep, less fitness, etc. Um, I'm also running my first marathon post-baby in New York. Um, like Melinda said, I had planned to run in May and then after one week of marathon training, I got a femoral stress fracture. And so that's, I think, in part related to breastfeeding um, because I had never had a big bone injury like that in my life. I've had a few small foot stress fractures and that's it. So definitely the, the post-baby marathon training journey has not been smooth for me. And I hope, um, yeah, I'm just used to the no sleep part at this point, so. I know that'll be a factor. Melindy, what what was your first, you said, two, we're, well, we were talking about the 232, but. That was my first marathon. Well, I had done Ironman, Iron right? I guess it's part of, part of Ironman. Um, so for me, coming from Ironman, it seemed easy, not having to swim 4K and ride 180K before doing a marathon. Um, and I honestly didn't get hit the pain cave in my first couple marathons because I just tried to keep them really controlled and tried to be really patient. And I kind of run with the mentality in a marathon of, I feel like this should be a pace that I could do forever is kind of what I try and tell myself. And then the last 7k is always hard, but that's the racing phase. And so I really try to make it as easy as possible, as long as possible until I hit 35k. And then I'm like, now the race begins. So I, I think, and, and part of the reason when I said I wouldn't go into a lot of detail with Seville was I decided to chase a time that I had in mind in Seville and I didn't go on that mindset and I went out hard and I was strung out 10 K in and I was at my threshold and blew up. Um, a marathon is something that really needs to be respected and you need to be really patient. And I think if, if you respect it and you're patient and you run within yourself, you don't necessarily have to hit a, a massive pain cave. Um, it'll, it'll get hard towards the end, but it doesn't have to be, uh, a, a huge significant, um, hole to dig yourself out of. Good advice. And yeah, everything's different now. So just give yourself that grace of like, if, if, if you have to adjust, adjust, but you may also surprise yourself. Who knows? There's Walk no Keep it yeah. fun. Do what you got to do. Have a good experience. Okay, everyone, I think we're going to do this drawing before it gets too late. I cut up some of the names of all the entrants and I'm going to put them in this basket.
And we're gonna draw four. What's that, Melindy? Enter me. Your name's probably in there because I did enter you, but you know, Melindy and I get hooked up with Saucony gear, so we don't need these prizes. So the prizes are um, we're gonna draw four. One is an outfit. It's the jacket and tights that you saw in the graphic I posted. It's a really nice jacket. I have it. I love it. Melindy, I don't know if you have the puffer. No. You need to get that sent, sent to you, especially up in Canada. Yeah. I love it. Great running jacket with some tights. This, um, we'll give away two pairs of Triumph 21s. Really nice cushion neutral shoe. Um, and the other one is a like a box, like crop t-shirt and tights. And um, we'll just contact you and you give us your sizes. So here goes. Let me get my basket. Hold on. Shaking it up. So first winner, we're going to do, I'll say the first two are the shoes, just so we're clear here. Um, one pair of shoes for Lydia Vanderloo. I don't know if Lydia's here. We'll contact Lydia. Lydia Vanderloo. The second pair of shoes is Kelly Smith. Oh, yay. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> Uh, let us know your size. I we have I have your email, so I'll email all you guys. But if I forget, let me know your size and address. Um, I don't think anyone's gonna forget. Don't forget your free your free shoes. Uh, the outfit number one with the puffer, Rebecca Harris is Rebecca here. Ooh, she's lucky. She gets a nice jacket. Um, and the last one. Da 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 da. I'm wrong. Alex St. Pierre, is Alex here? Oh, so we have three people that weren't here but got the prizes. Everyone sounds disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for I, coming, thanks for um, supporting Ann Mother and showing your faces, your lovely faces to our Zoom meeting, everybody. And thanks, Melindy, for um, being such an inspiring guest. I can't wait to see you again. I'm not sure where we'll cross paths, but. Uh, how about we cross paths in Paris? Let's go have a croissant and okay. some coffee. I just have a few things to do to get there, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> you got this. It'll be like old times. <laughs> Thanks um, everyone. Good night. Bye-bye you guys. Bye-bye. Keep track, keep track, keep track, keep track, a one time one, yeah, yeah, keep track, keep track, a one time one, yeah, 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 Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.